Hi, it's Sophie Murphy here. Um, lucky enough to have Lynn Sharrett with me, just having a conversation about her um, time here at ACL and the, some of the work that she's doing here in Australia. But firstly, hi, Lynn, and welcome to <laughs> our short conversation. But um, I'd love to know a little bit more about you. Your work is so diverse. You've got an enormous um, array of work with brilliant people across the globe um, in leadership, in um, student outcomes and so much more. So I just would love to know a little bit about you and your educational journey. Thank you. Thanks, Sophie. Um, it's really good to be here with you. And this is impromptu, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> so um, we're just, um, when I look at my, at my journey, uh, I spent... A long time, at least I think it was a very long time, and a very enriching time in classrooms and um, teaching uh, regular ed students, students with special needs in um, small district school boards, in large district school boards, uh, teaching in rural uh, communities and urban centers as well. Um, certainly we say elementary so primary schools and uh, secondary age students so it's that um, teaching background that I love and that my experience and evidence in terms of increasing students achievement comes from and I still teach so I teach at the University of Toronto I uh, coordinate the doctoral internship program there so teaching is absolutely my love and um, with my students at the university I get to try out the things that I think are really important so for me um, my work is about uh, putting faces on the data uh, every teacher matters, every student matters, um, every leader matters, and of course uh, the parents and broader community make that difference mm. to help us work with all of our learners. So that's the basis of my work and, uh, and my research. So Michael Fullen and I wrote um, our first two books together realization and putting faces on the data because we really wanted to look at very large schools in challenging circumstances who were making a difference, who were kind of jumping the curve and we wanted to know why. So the research focused on those schools in challenging circumstances and teachers and leaders together told us that there were 14 areas of system and school improvement that really, when considered together, mm. increased all students' achievement. Mm. So we've been building on that work, and, and then, of course, we wanted to know uh, how do you move beyond the numbers and percentages to the actual faces. Mm. So we wrote Putting Faces on the Data, What Great Leaders Do. Mm. If I had to write it over again, I'd say what great leaders and teachers do. Because to me, our next book, uh, Leading Collaborative Learning, yes. Empowering Excellence, is all about equity and excellence mm -hmm. and how we work together. Mm -hmm leave our egos at the door, mm. all become researchers, and we study the practices that make a difference for our students. So um, now I'm looking at um, just publishing a new book with Corwin, mm. which is Clarity. And to me, Clarity is that precision in practice that we need in every classroom. It's about reducing the variation between classrooms within the schools as well as cross schools. Um, so we ensure that every student has the differentiated resources and the instruction needed to 
move each student way beyond what we thought was possible. So that's really uh, my work, and I continue to work um, in Chile, across Canada, and also across Australia, as well as other jurisdictions, with that focus on the faces, the faces of both our teachers uh, and our students, always with leaders walking alongside them. Yeah. One of the things that we've I've talked to a few different people about is the notion of empathy and seeing through the eyes of the learner. Uh, we know that there's a lot of words. You talk about clarity and, and we hear the words data, we hear the words differentiation and often they're misunderstood or there's a misconception about what or how to deal with them and teachers want to know and leaders want to know how to do this and, and what, how can we be clear about what we're doing. But if we're looking at empathy and we're looking at trust and relational trust, what advice would you give teachers and school leaders about how to see through the eyes of the learner and how to really develop that notion of empathy? Yes, yeah. Well, you know, for me, leadership and uh, teacher leadership is all about seeing through the eyes of the student and the teacher and seeing ourselves as learners. And uh, when I think of empathy, I think of um, putting faces on the data so that we know 10 things about each student beyond the academics and then reflecting do the students know that we know 10 things about them beyond uh, their life in school? And uh, how will we know each student individually, especially in large secondary schools? That's always a challenge that we have. Um, but I think that's where we start in building relational trust. Um, and to me, relational trust is not only knowing those 10 things about each student in front of us, it's also about doing the work alongside each other. So that co-construction of meaning in terms of practice and, um, and the, I guess for me, the other word, alongside. Those are two really important concepts in being a leader and being a teacher and being a learner. Yeah. One thing that um, teachers ask me a lot, and I, and I hear this come up over and over, when we're talking about the notion of data and we're, say, finding 10 things that we know about each student, there's this temptation, I guess, to move into a more streamed approach of, I have the data, I know that you know, you're here and you're here and you're here. But we want to sort of create more of an opportunity for all and without that notion of grouping kids from very young, from that first year of schooling. How do we, how do we start to think about that differently? Well, you know, for me, you're talking about ability grouping, yes. and that is absolutely not uh, the way to know and relate to every student. So for me, data today is instruction tomorrow. So it's that flexibility to form groups based on need every day. So that um, is not about uh, the crows, the robins, and the bluebirds. For every year I was a robin and could never figure out how to be a bluebird. It's not about ability grouping. It's about where the students have the who have the like need in this particular unit of study and how can I bring this group to a guided table next day it might be a different group who have a need in terms of conceptual understanding mm. so it's it's much more flexible and fluid and how do but the, do that? well the classroom needs to look different yes 
Can you talk us through that? Yeah, so uh, for me, the classroom needs to look um, like that gradual release model. So starting actually with the independent practice and moving through the classroom to really look at how what students are thinking about and which students are getting a concept, which students might be wobbly, and which students are not getting the concept in a unit. And those are the students that we bring to the table today, maybe the wobbly ones tomorrow. But the, the classroom looks very different. So it's not stand-up recitation to the whole group. Because it's, it's very inconvenient that learners don't learn at the same speed and rate. But that's actually absolutely why we need to be um, flexible and also precise in who comes to a guided table and which students can support other students in that, in that classroom. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. I, I also use that example myself about those the different names of, you know, whether it's the, the bird that can't fly to the bird that with the biggest wings. I mean, we just don't want that. But teachers then say, how do I do this? And so that's a great way. If we can come back to, I guess, the notion of clarity, does it start with teachers? Because we've, as a teacher, you've got to be clear about where you are, where you're going and where you're going or how you're going to get there and, and certainly how each student is going to do that. Um, I think it starts with clarity too. And so does it start with planning? Does How do we have clear and effective planning in our practice and um, have you talked a lot about that in your work as well? Yeah absolutely it starts with planning it starts with teachers planning together and having that time to plan beginning with the curriculum expectations and I think that's really important it uh, as I said yesterday it's not about your favorite Halloween unit because that's not in the curriculum and so sadly enough I had to get rid of that uh, that Halloween unit although I loved it Um, yeah and uh, it's it's about knowing your curriculum yes. and it's about weaving the expectations together and then presenting them uh, alongside our students uh, in a way that's uh, student friendly in student friendly language. Yes. So learning intentions very clear that include the why. Why are we learning this? And so that leads me to always teachers planning to unpack the big ideas, the essential questions of that learning intention. Backward by design notion. Exactly. And and from there, um, then teachers co-plan uh, in terms of what will be the success criteria. And then how are we going to co-construct them with students so they really do understand how to be successful? Yeah. And it's only on the success criteria that we give descriptive feedback, we teach students to peer and self-assess against the co-constructed success criteria. And then ultimately, I think the um, the epitome of that assessment that drives instruction in classrooms is students being able to set their own goals for learning. So to me, it's intricately interwoven, starts with planning and Uh, When we have time for teachers to move from co-planning to co-teaching to co-debriefing and co-reflecting, we really have that true collaborative culture of learning. Yeah. So in essence as well, when we've got this clarity of instructional practice and um, our students are moving from surface to deep, we want them to transfer their learning from one context to another. Um, some schools and teachers, I guess, the misconceptions around learning intentions, success criteria come with 
changing it every day and we know that we need a, a much more progressive uh, approach and we really need to look at our curriculum documentation here either Victorian curriculum or Australian curriculum um, and looking at those outcomes first but then that notion of moving from surface to deep requires that success criteria to go over a number of lessons um, are these the sort of conversations you're having with Australian teachers as well yeah ab absolutely because um, I know some teachers have attempted to have a new learning intention and new success criteria every day. That's really not possible. We need to see uh, our work as units of study and um, certainly starting with the curriculum, we have that um, learning intention that includes the why, why are we learning this? And then as the unit unfolds and we see um, students working uh, through the unit, we stop and say, take a look at this piece of work. Uh, what do you notice about this? Is this something that we can add to our success criteria? So the success criteria evolve as the um, unit of work progresses. I think what we have to really always keep in mind in that planning stage is to not only know the success criteria that we, we want to ensure all students can accomplish, but also have a, a starting point an access point into those curriculum, those um, success criteria for every student in the class. So we don't develop some success criteria for those kids and some for the other kids. And that when the unit evolves and we have, um, we have those success criteria and work them through worked examples with students, students can achieve an A. And that's something that's really important for us to grapple with. Um, if the students uh, show profic proficiency in every um, success criteria, in all of the success criteria, will they achieve an A? And that, to me, uh, is fair. That's honest to students. Here's what you'll do, uh, and here's what we'll learn. Um, and I'll help you and assist you with that. And when you've accomplished them, you will receive an A. Mm. So C is not good enough. Yeah. So that knowing the success criteria up front is just so important. You know, it's really showing the learners where they're going for that whole sequence of learning or the duration of that unit. Um, what's your suggestion for teachers to get students actively involved in their lessons. Um, we don't want to, we know that, that teachers dominate that, that discourse and um, and there is that notion of uh, longer periods of monologue. So how do we uh, stop teachers from talking so much and have some effective dialogue in class and get kids involved with that success criteria um, and, and hear their thinking aloud? Yeah. One of the um, things that teachers need to plan is um, to think about not only the curriculum expectations, but how they're going to engage students in their prior learning, so they build on what students already know, uh, how they're going to uh, engage students in um, the big ideas and the essential questions, and giving students voice and choice within that. I think um, 
that's really the sophistication of, of teaching. How do you uh, pull all that together in your planning and then co-construct it with students to make meaning? Uh, the other thing I think about is uh, in students' voice and choice within that curriculum unit is having them work in pairs uh, or very small groups to actually work on something that interests them that then teachers can pull out the learning from that work. So um, it's not always about stand-up recitation. It's about hearing the voice, giving students choice and what they're interested in learning more about within the context of the learning intention. And... um, Having that active classroom where we see um, activity, uh, student uh, teachers stopping and saying, um, just a minute, I'm going to say something. Look at this. Take a look at this. And then students back to work while teachers take a small group to the guided table of students who just quite haven't got the concept yet. So as we finish up in talking here, and I'm so excited I could talk to you all day about this, um, but here in Australia at the moment, at the National Conference, um, and you do a lot of work here in Australia, so is there a piece of advice that you could finish our chat with, um, just to all Australian educators? Absolutely. I see amazing examples across Australia of putting faces on the data and taking action as leaders and as teacher leaders. So for me, it's about staying the course, having an opportunity to collaborate with others, uh, continue that work to go more deeply into knowing each face, uh, and celebrate the small wins that everybody across Australia is making. It's, it's an amazing place to work. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us and thanks for being here in Australia. It's so wonderful to talk to you. Thank thanks. You. Thank you.